Chapter Twelve of Marion, the Story of an Artist's Model by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Twelve. The summer days are coming. The blossoms deck the bough. The bees are gaily humming, and the birds are singing now. I was singing and thumping on our old cracked piano. Ada said, For heaven's sakes, Marion, stop that noise, and listen to this advertisement. I had been looking in the papers for some time, in the hope of getting some permanent work to do. I was not making much money at my fancy painting, and Papa's business was very bad. Ada was working on the star, and was helping the family considerably. She was the most unselfish of girls, and used to bring everything she earned to Mama. She fretted all the time about the family, and especially Mama, to whom she was devoted. Poor little soul! It did seem as if she carried the whole weight of our troubles on her little shoulders. I had been engaged to Reggie now a year. He had failed in his law examinations, and that meant another year of waiting, for, as he said, it would be impossible to marry until he passed. He had decided to go to England this summer to see if the governor wouldn't cough up some more cash, and he said he would then tell his family about our engagement. He had not told them that yet. He had expected to after passing his examinations, but having failed in these, he had to put it off, he explained to me. Ada used to say to Reggie that he was a monument of selfishness and egotism, and that he spent more on himself for his clothes and expensive rooms and other luxuries than Papa did on our whole family. She repeatedly declared that he was quite able to support a wife, and that his only reason for putting off our marriage was because he hated to give up any luxuries to which he was accustomed. In fact, Ada had taken a dislike to my Reggie, and she even declared that St. Vidal, against whom she had been merely prejudiced because he was a French wine merchant, would have been more desirable. Anyway, Ada insisted that it was about time for me to do something toward the support of our family. Here I was, nineteen years old, and scarcely earning enough to pay for my own board and clothes. Read that! She handed me the star, and pointed to the advertisement. Wanted. A young lady who has talent to work for an artist. Apply to Count von Hatzfeld, Chateau de Ramsay, Rue Notre-Dame. Why, I exclaimed, that must be the old signore, near the Notre Dame Cathedral. Of course, it is, said Ada. I was reading in the papers that they are going to make it into a museum of historical and antique things. It used to be the home of the first Canadian governors, and there are big cannons down in the cellars that they used. If I were you, I'd go right over there now and get that work. There won't be many applicants, for only a few girls can paint. I was as eager as Ada, and immediately set out for the Chateau de Ramsay. It was a long ride, for we only had horse cars in those days, and the chateau was on the other end of the city. I liked the ride, however, and looked out of the window all of the way. We passed through the most interesting and historical part of our city, and when we came to the dismal, mottled old stone jail, I could not help shuddering as I looked up at it. 
and recalled what my brother Charles used to tell me about it when I was a little girl. He said it was mottled because the house had smallpox. If we did this or that, we would be thrown into that smallpox jail and given black bread and mice to eat, and when we came out, we would be horribly pockmarked. He said all the anti-vaccination rioters had been locked up in there, and they were pitted with marks. As my car went by it, I could see the poor prisoners looking out of the barred windows, and a great feeling of fear and pity for the sorrows of the world swept over me, so that my eyes became blinded with tears. A covered van was going in at the gate. A woman next to me said, There's the Black Mariah. Look, there's a young girl in it. My heart went out to that young girl, and I wondered vaguely what she could have done that would make them shut her up in that loathsome pockmarked jail. When we reached the French hospital, Hotel Bon Dieu, the conductor told me to get off, as the chateau was on the opposite side, a little farther up the hill. I went up the steps of the chateau and banged on the great iron knocker. No one answered. So I pushed the huge heavy door open, it was not locked, and went in. The place seemed entirely deserted and empty, and so old and musty. Even the stairs seemed crooked and shaky. I wandered about until finally I came to a door on the second floor, with a card nailed on it, bearing the name Count von Hatzfeldt. I knocked, and the funniest little old man opened the door and stood blinking at me. Count von Hatzfeldt? I inquired. Ceremoniously he bowed, and holding the door open, ushered me in. He had transformed that great room into a wonderful studio. It was at least five times the size of the average New York studio, considered extra large. From the beams in the ceiling hung a huge swing, and all about the walls and from the ceilings hung skins and things he had brought from Iceland, where he had lived for over six months with the Eskimo, and he had ever so many paintings of the people. I was intently interested, and I wished my father could see the place. Count von Hotzfeld showed me the work he was doing for the directors of the Chateau de Ramsay Society, who were intending to make a museum of the place. He was restoring the old portraits of the different Canadian governors and men of historical fame in Canada. I will want you to work on this heraldry, he said, and indicated a long table scattered with watercolor papers, watercolors, and sketches of coats of arms. I will sketch in the coat of arms, and you will do the painting, young lady. We use this gold and silver and bronze a great deal. This, I suppose you know, is called painting on gauche. I assured him I could do it. Papa had often painted in that medium, and had taught me. I told the Count that once a well-known artist of Boston called on Papa to help him paint some fine lines on a big illustration. He said his eyes were bothering him, so he could not finish the work. It just happened that at that time Papa's eyes were also troubling him. But as he did not want to lose the work, he had said, I'll send my little girl to you. She can do it better than I. And, Count von Hotzfeld, I said proudly, I did do it. 
and the artist praised me when i finished the work and he told papa he ought to send me to boston to study at the art schools there at that time i was only thirteen the boston artist gave me ten dollars i gave eight of it to mamma with the other two i bought fifty cents worth of candy which i divided among all of us mamma included with the dollar fifty left i bought ellen a birthday present of a brooch with a diamond as big as a pea in it that cost twenty-five cents then ellen and i went to st helen's island and there we ate peanuts drank spruce beer a french canadian drink had two swings and three merry-go-rounds and what with the ten cents each for the ferry there was nothing left to pay our car fare home so we walked and mamma was angry with us for being so late she slapped ellen for talking back and i always got mad if ellen got hurt so i talked back worse and then i got slapped too and we both had to go to bed without supper i didn't tell all this to the count only the first part about doing the work etc he said he talked with a queer sort of accent like a german though i believe he was scandinavian ya ya bell i will try you then come you to work tomorrow and if you do well you shall have five dollar a week for that you will work on the coat of arms two hours a day and if i find you can help me mit the portraits it may be you can lay in the backgrounds also the clothes if so i will pay you some little more ya ya he rubbed his hands and smiled at me he looked so much like a funny little hobgoblin that i felt like laughing at him but there was also something very serious and almost angry in his expression now said he the business talk it is all done ya ya he said ya ya constantly when he was thinking i have met your good papa he went on and i like him much he is a man of great gift but he threw out his hands expressively poor papa i thought i suppose he let the count see how unbusinesslike and absent-minded he is after a moment the count said his your papa's face it is a typical northern one such as we see plenty in scandinavia ya ya papa is half irish and half english i explained he nodded ya ya it is so nevertheless his face is northern it is typical while you he regarded me smilingly goat you look like one little indian girl that i meet when i live in the north her father the people told me was one big rich railway man in canada but he did not know that pretty little indian girl she was his daughter ya ya he rubbed his hands and nodded his head musingly as he studied me then come i will show you the place here pulling aside a curtain covering a large window the count shut out all the light except the north light he showed me the great panorama of the city below us we looked across the st lawrence river and in the street directly below was the old bon secours market i could see the carts of the habitants farmers loaded with vegetables fruit and fresh maple syrup some of it of the consistency of jelly 
never have i tasted such maple syrup since i left canada in the midst stood the old bon secours church good people it seemed to say benevolently i am watching over you all it is said the count the most picturesque place in montreal some day i will paint it and then it shall be famous ya ya at present it is convenient to get the good things to eat i take me five or ten cents in my hand and those good habitants they give me so much food i cannot use it all you will take lunch with me ya ya and we will have the visitors here in the chateau de ramsau ya ya he had kept on tap two barrels of wine which he bought from the oak monks he said they made a finer wine than any produced in this country or the united states they made it from an old french recipe and sold it for a mere song these monks he told me also made cheese and butter and the cheese he said was better than the best imported i used to see these monks on the street and even in the coldest days in winter they wore only sandals on their feet and their bare heads were shaved bald on top they owned an island down the st lawrence and depended on its products for their existence end of chapter twelve recording by james k white chula vista